You're listening to The Top Line, brought to you by Fierce Pharma and Fierce Biotech. I'm your host, Ayla Ellison. In the world of AI, the spotlight often shines on generative AI, but machine learning has quietly been impacting patients and physicians for years. With programs like ChatGPT on the rise and increasing calls to scrutinize their safety, how will this influence the adoption of new AI programs and diagnostics in healthcare? In this episode, Fierce's Connor Hale sits down with Siemens Health and Years, North American Head of Digital Health, Peter Shin, to explore steps developers and regulators can take to ensure transparency in medical AI. Plus, You'll also learn about how the field might benefit from a 21st century update to the Hippocratic Oath. Here they are. I'd like to start off just talking about where we've been and where we're going. Much of the AI boom in healthcare so far, at least when we're talking about products that have made it through the FDA, it's been in radiology nearly 80% of the time where Incredibly complex pattern recognition lends itself well to analyzing images. You know, large language models and chatbot programs hog the spotlight this year, but they're fundamentally different. I wanted to ask you, do you see distrust or doubts of the accuracy of one side of those programs leading into the other? It's a great question to ask. And and certainly, as you pointed out, Artificial intelligence is not a new topic, especially in the area of medical imaging. And that's an area for us here at Siemens Health and Years. It's an area that we've we focused on for the past, actually, past two decades uh, around. And I think a lot of what a lot of folks don't realize is AI is already playing a significant role in medical imaging. Everything from simple things in terms of enhancing the patient experience when they're actually doing a, a radiology exam. So, in terms of their positioning of the patient so that we make sure that we get the most accurate and more most precise anatomical images that are happening there. And then also utilizing AI to enhance those images when maybe let's say the, the environment or whatever the settings that are used, the protocol that's being used to image that patient may not be most ideal. AI is there to be able to make sure that the clinician, the radiologist is able to visualize those abnormalities. And then as you pointed out, really what's come more into recent focus is Uh, artificial intelligence being utilized in the medical imaging space to help with identifying those abnormalities and starting to actually quantify those abnormalities, provide measurements for them, be able to advise the the radiologist in terms of maybe abnormalities that they might not uh, visually see uh, at first look here or being able to maybe give them more precision in terms of what they're trying to do from a diagnosis standpoint. And I think this is something, again, that needs to be realized because with all the talk around some of these other advances within artificial intelligence here in the medical imaging space, these type of tools are already benefiting patients today, benefiting the radiologists today. And we're going to, we believe that we're going to continue to see uh, strong benefits from some of these kind of machine learning type of algorithms that have been developed here for for diagnosis. And then if anything, some of the new new advancements within AI are only going to, again, enhance the ability for the radiologist to make that informed diagnostic decision or that physician to make that more personalized treatment decision. And you recently testified on Capitol Hill during a hearing on the future of AI in healthcare. Is what you just described similar to your experience there? With our discussions there in Washington, I think it was it was couplefold that we wanted to emphasize. I think one was the point that I made earlier that in 
within healthcare, we're already seeing benefits around artificial intelligence. And in particular, as there might be concerns uh, with other industries in terms of having guardrails in place around AI, I think what uh, we tend to forget in, in healthcare is we're already a highly regulated industry uh, and that we work very closely with parts of the government like the FDA, like CMS, to try to make sure that the solutions that uh, we as vendors create here are safe and acknowledge all the things that are needed to do to take care of the patient. So all that is already in place. What we were also trying to emphasize is that some of the concerns that folks have around around AI are some of the best practices that organizations like Siemens Health and Nears are already doing in terms of making sure that there's transparency in the way that we develop our AI algorithms that we're taking into consideration topics like implicit bias as we actually develop these types of algorithms that we are actually very clear in terms of what the intended use of these algorithms are and that we're developing these AI solutions to be reflective of the patient populations that that, that they're serving. So we really wanted to emphasize uh, that aspect um, as, as one of the leaders in this particular space. I think the other thing that we also wanted to make sure that, that the folks in Washington heard is that we, we need to ensure that there's a, a good way that providers can adopt these AI solutions as well. And in that adoption, we want to make sure that, that there's an opportunity for all patients, regardless of whether they're in an underserved area or they're in a rural location, that they have access to these types of solutions. And our belief is a big driver towards adopting new technologies from the provider space is making sure that there's consistent financial incentives to do that. So really making sure that, that the government establishes consistency in terms of the reimbursement associated with artificial intelligence. So while there's a ton of different AI uh, algorithms that have been approved by the FDA, only a small handful actually get any sort of reimbursement and an even smaller amount get any sort of reimbursement that's uh, equivalent to the amount uh, that need, the providers need to spend to invest in these technologies. So we're very concerned that the providers are put in a tough spot where they've actually got to decide if they should make this investment into in technology like AI with this uncertainty on whether they'll actually get any sort of reimbursement or any money back for that investment. So we were really trying to push the folks in Washington to provide some consistency so that the, it actually gives providers more confidence that they can actually invest in this technology, benefit their patients here without having to worry about whether that investment is for not or, or whatnot. And certainly I think we see in let's say urban locations and maybe some more academic based providers, they have a little more flexibility in their financial budgets to be able to make that investment and take that risk today around this type of technology. But certainly if you go to underserved populations or rural locations where providers maybe are a little more challenged from a financial standpoint, they have tough decisions to make in terms of whether they should take their money and invest it in a technology like AI, which doesn't have certainty in terms of its reimbursement, or if they use those dollars towards something else. Just talking a little bit more about adoption, like the FDA stamp of approval on a, a pill or a drug is, is pretty easy to understand, but is a clearance or an approval, do you think that's enough to convince patients, providers, and payers? It's a super great question because I think, and this is where it's important, we believe as a leader in this space, that you have to have a little bit more transparency around these AI algorithms. So not only just saying that you have it FDA cleared, and there's, as folks may or may not realize, there's different pathways that AI algorithm creators can seek through the FDA approval process, some are, which are more stringent in terms of effort versus others. And I think that 
all underscores the importance of being transparent in terms of how these algorithms are being developed. I think it's important for AI vendors to be able to show that transparency, be able to share with their users not only how to utilize the algorithm to help benefit their patients, but I think what's more important is also helping their users understand why the algorithm made has made the clinical decision that it's made. So really, what was what is the medicine behind that clinical decision that AI algorithm has done? And I think we, we believe that it's important for AI vendors to be able to have that transparency to not only educate folks on how to use the algorithm, but again, really, how did the algorithm make that determination? And, and that's really done through education and transparency there. So I think holding ourselves accountable for that. I think this is an important aspect to help with the adoption is really by removing this connotation of a black box that this AI solution is, but really saying to the clinician, this is how this AI algorithm works. This is the intended use of this AI algorithm. This is the patient population that it's been trained on. And this should be the patient population that the this AI algorithm should be applied towards. So being able to be very clear in terms of that, I think also what's very important is to make sure that the clinician understands, at least from Siemens Health and Nears point of view, that these AI algorithms are designed to be a companion to that clinician. That again, the clinician ultimately is that decision maker. And we also see strong value and the patient sees strong value in having that relationship between the patient and, and the clinician themselves. Now, certainly AI can be that tool that helps that clinician be able to make that diagnostic decision more confidently or maybe make that therapeutic decision or personalized therapeutic decision more confidently, but it's not there to replace any sort of clinical decision that clinician is making. So we really do see that that AI solution being that companion for the clinician and really, again, valuing the relationship that the clinician has with the patient. So that's an important aspect as well. And I think if we have all these different, what I call kind of, you know, this Hippocratic oath that that we as AI creators have to adhere to, these tenants, if you will, that you have in place, I think that's going to create a lot more comfort for for both the clinician and the patient in terms of adopting these type of solutions and that their willingness to say, hey, this AI, utilizing this AI tool actually makes sense. It's helping me make that more accurate uh, diagnosis, making me, helping me make that more personalized therapeutic decision for the patient. I think these are steps that could go a long way towards that. Yeah, and among those tenants of that oath that you're talking about, there are still gaps that exist in the guardrails for AI and healthcare even today. Like any trained system, it can reinforce inequities that are already present in the data, especially along your ethnic, racial, socioeconomic lines. Can you tell me how the Hippocratic Oath that you were talking about addresses that? Yeah. For, for us here at Siemens Health in years, I think it's really important to to recognize, again, those implicit biases that, that, that get developed as you develop these AI algorithms here. And so one of the things that we do as part of our AI development here is we work very closely with our clinical partners uh, throughout the globe here to make sure that the data that we curate, uh, that we utilize uh, to train these AI algorithms, again, is reflective of the patient populations where we're actually going to apply the AI algorithm towards. And so what, what does that mean? So it's, it's um, certainly, I think it's trying to eliminate or minimize the biases that, that, that have been acknowledged here. I think it's also making sure that the data that, that we utilize here from our clinical partners is, has been validated. So certainly it's not just saying if we get a bunch of data that says, oh, these patients all have prostate cancer, 
we go the extra mile to make sure that let's reevaluate all these different cases or all these different patients and make sure that they actually do have prostate cancer and the, and maybe to the, the 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 specific level of prostate cancer that we need to train our algorithms. So it's not taking any of the data that we receive from our clinical partners for granted from a clinical standpoint. I think the other aspect, of course, is making sure that any sort of patient health information, any sort of data related to the patient, of course, is all removed from that from removed from that data set as well. So we go through a, a, a painstaking process to de-identify all that data. Again, even if the data has been presented to us as being de-identified, we go through the extra step of de-identifying that again before anyone within Siemens Health and Years is able to touch that data. So one of the unique features that we have in our organization is we have a big data office. And what that office is in in, in charge of doing is essentially in enforcing these tenants that I spoke about as it relates to AI algorithm development. And that also includes access to, to the data the core data that you would actually train these algorithms. So they go through this laborious process of making sure that data is de-identified. It's reflective of the patient population it's going to serve. It's minimized the biases that that might be out there. And then we then make sure that whoever is accessing the data has the intended use for that particular data so that not just any employee within Siemens Altineers has access to that data, but really it's only the the engineers or the scientists who are creating the specific algorithm that data is needed to do that research or work on. So that big data office is, is in our view, a, a key component to making sure that our organization is held accountable for kind of the development of these AI algorithms. And we believe that this is a, la- a level of standard that needs to be applied across the industry with some of the other folks that are creating these types of solutions as well. So the Biden administration recently put out an an executive order on AI safety. Do you believe it also addresses some of those concerns? The executive order provides good framework for what what we've been talking about here. It emphasizes to not just the the providers and the patients and, and everyone, but also the vendors, the folks creating these solutions, that you have to adhere to some sort of standards and guardrails that are in place here. It's emphasizing that it's incumbent upon us as folks that are creating these solutions to make sure that these types of guardrails are in place and that we, when we work hand in hand with the government, that we are transparent in terms of how we're developing these solutions. So when we make that submission to the FDA, that we have that level and transparency of not only how the AI algorithm is created, what type of data sets are utilized, But probably more importantly, what's the intended use of that AI algorithm? How are you going to use that AI algorithm? What's the intended patient population that's applying towards? What are you trying to get derived as a clinical decision out of that AI algorithm? So I think for us, the executive order is really putting that framework in place. And what we're doing as an organization is we're bolstering that framework by saying, look, there's these specific tenants that that we hold ourselves accountable for as we develop these type of AI solutions. So how do you see foundation models or long, large language technologies making inroads into health systems and patient care in the future? We have the same 
standards and accountability that we've established here for these AI algorithms that we and machine learning algorithms that we've developed in in medical imaging also need to be applied here as we start developing these LLMs. So this is again working very closely with our clinical partners to validate the data that's being utilized here, being able to make sure that we are very clear with what the intended use of these kind of models are and these and what we're trying to utilize those models toward. So in the end it is still designed to be that tool to augment the physician in terms of their uh, diagnostic decision or therapeutic decision that they're making for the patient. So we, again, see this combination of the healthcare professional backed by AI solutions is really making that strong team and valuing that relationship with the patient. So do you see the hype reaching its peak anytime soon? Like, When do you think the conversation will shift from, oh, this is what we could be using it for to this is what we should be using it for. Yeah, I, I think we're starting to see some of that hype now subside and folks realizing, okay, how do we now practically apply these type of AI solutions in, in healthcare? And I think this is what, what we're trying to do as well. Again, really trying to focus, move away from some of the hype and really trying to say, can we leverage large language models to be able to help, again, make a more informed diagnosis? So can we use... LLMs to be able to drive to make sure that we're doing the right type of diagnostic treatment for that particular patient. Can we use that in combination with maybe our machine learning models to maybe to optimize the clinical protocol that's being done on that patient? Can we use LLMs and foundational models to maybe also help summarize what the results are of of those diagnostic tests. So being able to complement kind of the diagnostic report that's generated by the physician by utilizing these tools to combine that with other clinical data about that patient so that the referring physician or even the patient themselves has a better understanding of the greater context around uh, that diagnostic exam that's being done for the patient. So what do you expect to see in 2024? We're excited to see continued evolution around artificial intelligence here, but also the ability with the help of large language models to be able to now combine more pieces of patient clinical data. So if you think about it, a lot of AI that's being done today is very task-specific or departmental-specific, like we talked about radiology as, as an area where AI has, has done a lot of successful work. Now, what we see is the opportunity here, especially powered by foundational models, LLMs, here to combine data about the patient. So if you could combine, let's say, imaging data plus their laboratory results or combine imaging laboratory results, pathology results or patient history and whatnot. And if I could then take all that data together and then overlay a technology like artificial intelligence on it, can I start to make maybe, again, a more informed diagnostic decision, a more personalized therapeutic decision about the patient? Can I actually maybe start to do some risk prediction associated with that patient. So if I have that, if I have their CT scan and I also look at their lab results and also look at their patient history, maybe this gives me a better indicator on whether that patient has, might be more susceptible to, let's say, lung cancer or, or some sort of um, malignancy or some sort of um, disease. So I could start to start to bring together all these different pieces of clinical data, leverage a technology like AI, and start to really look at a greater level some of the different diagnostic and therapeutic opportunities here for the patient. Thanks very much for joining us today. Appreciate it, Connor. Thanks so much for the opportunity to chat with you. 
That's it for The Top Line. I'm your host, Ayla Ellison. You can find out more about this topic in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. And that's the bottom line from The Top Line.